Shout out to the Twitter faithful. You can also catch the show on YouTube or on audio replay, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Ed, it is great to step in any arena tonight that is not outdoors here in the Big Apple. The snow is still very much here in New York City, and I refuse, Ed. I refuse to shovel. I'm not doing it. You have to shovel, man. I'm not I'm doing it, man. I'm leaving my car you, buried. You don't want to shovel, and I, and I want to move. I, we should both move. I love New York, but I can't stand the winter in New York. We can do the podcast anywhere, my friend. Yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would be better to do in a much warmer climate because uh, right now, not the place to be in New York with all the snow on the ground. No doubt about it. Well, it feels good. I mean, I'm warm right now. I'm watching the Dallas Golden State game, and Dallas is losing the game, losing the game, which is uh, makes me happy. And you know why? Because we are in Dallas, number one pick. <laughs> you know, I do know one place this weekend that is warm where I would probably like to be, and I'm pretty sure that our first guest tonight would like to speak about it because I know where he's from. So, without further ado, I wanted to bring in Alex Kennedy, Chief Content Officer at BasketballNews.com. And if his jersey doesn't say what his rooting interest is in the Super Bowl, I'm sure he will tell us tonight. Uh, for those, of course, that are listening in, uh, he's wearing the Tom Brady jersey. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, first of all, you have an amazing voice. You have a great radio voice. I had to throw that out there. And then, yes, I am rooting for my Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. Um, I, I've been a Bucks fan since I was a kid, so it's been nothing but misery. And they find horrible ways to lose and torture me. And if you had said a year ago that we'd be in the Super Bowl, I would have said you're crazy. So this is just kind of surreal still, but I'm excited. You know, Alex, Ed always says that I dominate the show, so I might as well ask, I guess, the real first question here. I, I do appreci appreciate the love as well for uh, for my voice. Uh, Ed, Ed is the one with the looks. I'm the one with the better uh, kind of pipe. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, I got a chance to be part of the Super Bowl media availability this week, and, you know, everybody wants to talk to Tom Brady. Tom is 43 years old, and he says that he can still see himself playing beyond the age of 45, so what do you think about that as a guy that is rooting for Tampa Bay this Sunday? I've been blown away with his play. You know, the throws that he's been able to make this season, it's been incredible watching him. And that's, you know, entering the season as a Bucks fan, again, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, he's 43. What's he really going to be able to do, especially by the end of the season? I mean, we saw what happened with like Drew Brees this year, for example, where he was really struggling to complete passes beyond 10, 15 yards. So I didn't really get my hopes up uh, initially. I was thinking, yeah, this sounds fun. It's going to be great. But, you know, is he going to struggle? And there were there have been some games, especially late in games or cold weather games, where it seems like his arm, you know, either it tightens up or gets tired or something. I mean, look at the Packers game where he started throwing picks late and looked like a different player in the second half versus the first half. But I mean, clearly his TB12 method works uh, and I've been blown away with his with his play. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think uh, the guy clearly takes care of his body. He puts his nutrition first. It's amazing to see what he's doing durability wise and longevity wise. Um and, and I will say one thing too, the way that he's kind of adjusted his game, he doesn't take sacks. He does a really good job of getting the ball out quickly. The Bucks' offensive line has been incredible this year when it comes to protecting him. That was one of the big question marks entering this year. You know, Tristan Wirfs has been great. Donovan Smith has been great. Some of these guys that people were kind of unsure of have really stepped up. So he does a good job of protecting himself as well. So it, it's possible. Um, you know, I, I think if anyone can do it, it's him. Now, Father Time is undefeated. So at some point we're going to see that Peyton Manning type season toward the end where he struggles as a Bucks fan. I'm hoping we can delay that as long as possible, but it wouldn't surprise me if he played another two years, three years, something like that. 
I think you it's know? great that you bring up Peyton Manning. Uh, I'm going to steal some more time from you here, Ed, since you always <laughs> say that I steal the thunder. Just one more question. I'm going back to back with Alex here. But uh, quickly about Brady just making that 10th Super Bowl appearance. I thought it was interesting that so many people in our generation often say that Peyton Manning is the better quarterback, right? So Peyton only played in four Super Bowls since he retired. Tom Brady has played in four Super Bowls. I think that's a remarkable stat. It's crazy. And I mean, I think one thing we always saw in New England was he didn't get all the credit. Obviously, people would credit the system. And there were some times where the defense was super dominant. Um, now, granted, Brady did it without some great weapons, too, in the past, which doesn't get talked about enough. The fact that he was out there with some wide receivers that weren't, you know, weren't very talented, that he was elevating quite a bit. You know, now this year with the Bucks, he has great weapons. I mean, Godwin, Evans, uh, obviously Gronk, they bring in Antonio Brown, even some of the backup receivers like a Scotty Miller stepped up in huge moments. Tyler Johnson has played well as a rookie. So he has great weapons now, but I think this one is really big for Brady because it's away from Belichick. It's away from New England to be able to show a team that a year ago was struggling. And again, didn't even seem like a playoff squad with Jameis Winston committing 30 turnovers, 30 interceptions to take this team to the Super Bowl. That just says so much for his legacy. Even if they don't win it, to be able to take this team in the first year, a year that was so strange without OTAs and a normal training camp and, you know, a chance to really bond off the field or get on the same page, you know, no preseason, to be able to take this team in year one to the Super Bowl just says so much about his legacy and his impact on an organization. And you talk to the players too. I mean, Bobby, you just mentioned you were talking to the guys the impact he's had off the field too, as far as leadership and kind of elevating everyone, making everyone smarter when it comes to their football IQ, um, you know, watching film with these guys and really coaching, co coaching them up. Um, you've heard so many players talk about that aspect of it too. So it's not even just his on-field impact that, you know, the touchdowns and, uh, and the great plays, it's what he's kind of brought to the culture and helped all these young guys. And, and you know, Devin White, even on the defense was saying that he, he kind of has stepped up and said, I want to be the Tom Brady of the defense. And, you know, be the leader and make everyone buy in and have everyone have the same goals. So these guys have been learning from him all year long. And I think, yeah, to, to be that stat is incredible. The fact that he's been in so many Super Bowls. Um, I don't think there's any question that he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I know some people might debate that. If he wins this Super Bowl, I don't think there's any debate. I mean, it, I think that conversation is over. No, it's, it's a, that's a fact. And one, one person you haven't mentioned um, first, that that defensive secondary of the Buccaneers is legit, and you have a guy, a defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, who was a defensive coordinator for the Giants when we beat um, the Patriots. To you know, so you have an advantage here on the defensive side. Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, on our defense has been so up and down. I say are like I'm on the team, but uh, <laughs> it's been so up and down throughout the season because there have been times in the beginning of the year where the secondary was getting burnt and it would just look really ugly. You know, Carlton Davis, he was playing well at times, but then uh, the last time they played against Tyree Kill, he gave up 200 plus yards and three touchdowns, you know, in the first quarter, uh, you know, most of those yards were in the first quarter. So, I mean, there, there have been times where the defense has played well. And then you look at Sean Murphy Bunting, another guy that has been very up and down. And people, Bucks fans at the beginning of the year were calling for him to get cut and traded. Like, they were over this guy. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the year, he's intercepting everyone and playing his best football. And he, he's even said, look, I got hot. I just got to keep this going somehow. So, I mean, their secondary at times has been a weakness. And then during the playoffs, they've been able to create turnovers. They've been able to, um, you know, tackle really well. Antoine Winfield has been amazing as a rookie. Antoine Winfield Jr. has been incredible. You know, not only... 
uh, you know, being coverage and, and creating turnovers, but also stopping the run. I mean, this Bucks defense has been historically good against the run. They've played so many stud running backs and shut them down. And and what that does is, you know, other teams now they they kind of just go into the game and stop running the ball. They don't even try to run against the Bucks. We've kind of seen that. So they just try to attack through the air. So it's put a ton of pressure on the secondary. But those guys have answered the challenge and they've really responded. So that's going to be the key. I mean, obviously we know this Chiefs offense has so many weapons. So can they shut down Tyreek Hill, who they, you know, who would they, who dominated them in week 12? If they put too much attention on, you know, Tyreek Hill, what's going to happen with Travis Kelsey and some of these other weapons? It's a big question. I think it, that's really the matchup that, um, you know, will determine this game. You know, can the defense slow them down? I think it helps that the Chiefs offensive line is depleted and the Bucks have one of the best pass rushes in the league uh, with Shaq Barrett, JPP, um, you know, Sue and, uh, I think that's a huge, uh, you know, matchup that maybe helps the Bucks because it helps the secondary if they're going to be putting pressure on Mahomes all day. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers throughout the season. If you look at his stats, there was only one other game where he was sacked five times. Most games he was only sacked, you know, one time, twice. But they had eleven knockdowns and five sacks. I mean, they were just in the backfield all day long, causing problems for him. So if they can put that kind of pressure on Mahomes and if they can sack Mahomes, that's going to help the secondary quite a bit. So. I don't know. I've, I've been overthinking about this game for like two weeks, if you can't tell. So I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm excited for it to be here, but hopefully the secondary can play well. There's only one quarterback that has beaten Patrick Mahomes in the postseason, and that is Tom Brady. That's yeah. another good stat, I would say, coming into the game. I mean, what a what a matchup, Mahomes versus Brady. I mean, we've been spoiled with we had Drew Brees versus Brady, Aaron Rodgers versus Brady. I mean, there have been so many great quarterback matchups throughout this postseason. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun, man. This Chiefs team is so much fun to watch too. Like, you know, they're they're usually a team that I'm rooting for when they're not playing against my Bucks. So, uh, it's it's fun watching them play. You know, uh, it's fun having their guys in fantasy football. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely don't want to face them to be clear because I'm terrified of them, and it's very possible too. Like we talked about you know me being all excited it's very possible come sunday night i'm just devastated and patrick holmes is destroying us like i, I absolutely acknowledge that's a possibility because uh, they're that good but I, I don't know i think we can surprise people the other thing i'll say about the bucks too is this is the first time that we've been at full strength all season long because at the beginning of the year you had chris godwin injured mike evans in, injured leonard fournette ronald jones vita vea then they signed antonio brown he's had some injuries Last week, it was Antoine Winfield. At the beginning of the postseason, it was Devin White. You know, you go through the roster, they've had so many injuries. This two weeks off is so important for the Bucs, and it's allowed everyone to kind of get healthy. Now, there's some question about whether Jordan Whitehead will play or not, but it sounds like Winfield and Antonio Brown will play. So I think this is the first time, too, that we've kind of been at full strength or really close to it, and no one's really talking about that aspect of this either. It's oh. taking the Chiefs, so. No, I would say for, for you know, uh, I just want to see the game go to the last possession. If Brady wins, I'm happy for Brady. If Mahomes wins, I get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> My thing is like, I think it's going to be a close game due to the fact that you know you have two offensive linemen for the Chiefs, one that's definitely out, another one that's injured. So that's going to you know, I think it's going to balance out. I think it's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, I mean, if they can't run the ball again, it, the Bucks. I can't stress this enough, have been so good against the run to the point that teams just abandon it. So, it, and we know Clyde Edwards Lair was injured. I'm not sure what, you know, is he going to be 70%, 80%? Like, what, what's Clyde Edwards Lair going to bring to the table? 
if they can't run the ball and the Bucks know that they're going to be passing over and over again. Now, granted, you don't want the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, but that just only helps the pass rush even more because there's no that's kind of predictable. So, yeah, I think the 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 injuries to the Chiefs' offensive line, they've been dealing with issues on the offensive line all season and moving guys around. So that that absolutely is something to watch. I think that's a huge thing that will impact this game. So, yeah, it'll, I, I think it'll be closer than people think. You know, from talking to people, it seems like everyone's picking the Chiefs, and and I get it. <laughs> I absolutely get it. Uh, but I think it could be closer than people think. We're speaking with Alex Kennedy, Chief Content Officer at BasketballNews.com. I know Ed wanted to ask you some questions about basketball news, and since I always tend to steal his thunder, I figured I would give him a great, a great introduction. Now coming to the microphone, Edgar Burgos. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. I, I was just talking, you know, Alex, you've been around, you know, been writing for, you know, years. Um, what made you uh, start basketball news? Yeah, you know, I was at Hoops Hype and USA Today Sports, and um, I loved it over there. Those guys were awesome. Um, and then uh, I, I heard about this basketballnews.com opportunity, and basically they allowed me to kind of come in as a co-owner. And what they told me was, you know, they wanted to build kind of a hybrid site where they have top journalists, but then they also have uh, players. Because, I mean, right now, player-driven content is blowing up with not only the Players' Tribune, but you have – JJ Reddick's podcast, CJ McCollum's podcast, all the smoke, you know, all these podcasts are blowing up. So they basically said they wanted to kind of have a hybrid where you have the journalists and the players. And they kind of said, look, you can come in and just build your own team. We'll give you a budget and you can do what you want. So I kind of compare it to like a GM that has a bunch of cap space. And they said, you know, go recruit people. So it's been so much fun. So we've been able to add a bunch of players. Uh, Kenyon Martin has a podcast on our network. Uh, it's Kenyon and Jadakiss, which has been a lot of fun. Those guys are hilarious and have tons of chemistry. The second episode with Jadakiss, right? Yeah. So yeah, Kenyon launched the podcast and then Jadakiss, we just uh, added him. So yeah, he, he, it's a recent addition, but uh, you know, they actually just dropped, yeah, their, their, uh, their second episode and it's been great, man. They, they have so much chemistry. They go back uh, many years. They are good friends. So, you know, they always talk sports and stuff anyway. Now they're just doing it in front of a microphone. Uh, and then we have a Tom Thomas, James Posey, Vinny Del Negro, uh, and a number of others. We're, we're continuing to add players too. Uh, and then on the journalism side, you know, it's myself, Nikias Duncan, Spencer Davies, Chris Sheridan, there's a lot of different writers. So that's what kind of drew me to it. Just it was very ambitious. They not only wanted to put out, you know, articles, but also have this podcast network. They want to get into long form content like web series and documentaries, things like that. So I was really excited and uh, we launched in August. So, I mean, this has happened very quickly. It's only been five, six months since we launched, uh, but it's been so much fun. Alex, uh, Ed wants to just end the NBA season right now and give the championship to the Lakers. I was hoping for the fans here in the Big Apple that might not be able to count on the Knicks. You could maybe tell them why the Brooklyn Nets, maybe the Brooklyn Nets might be able to win an NBA championship. Sell me on the Nets winning it this this year. I mean, look, the offensive firepower, I don't have to tell you how incredible it is. The The big thing is, can they figure it out defensively? I mean, that's been the big question. Um, obviously, with a team like this, uh, they're going to be able to score a million points. I mean, they have the best offensive rating uh, of all time since coming together. The only problem is, as I'm sure you guys saw the stat that was floating around there, they also have the worst defensive rating of all time since the Harden trade. So can they figure it out on defense? I mean, it, it's going to be impossible to guard 
Harden, KD, and Kyrie. And my thing too is like once they get acclimated, we're seeing them dominate right now offensively and they're not even on the same page yet. It's so hard to introduce new focal points and get those guys acclimated, especially in a year like this where because of the condensed schedule, you have limited practice time. A lot of teams aren't doing walkthroughs in the morning of games. Guys can't really hang out off the court and bond because of the COVID rules. You know, it's not like a normal year where guys are going out to eat and hanging out at each other's houses and stuff like that. They really can't do that because of COVID and the protocols. So it's a weird year, especially to try to get so many new pieces acclimated. It's also Steve Nash's first year as a head coach. So some of those things are, you know, are, are, are make it even, you know, make it even tougher and are a bit concerning, but you know, at the end of the day, there's no team that's more talented on paper. If they figure it out, this team is absolutely going to be scary. And if they can get hot at the right time, you know, entering the playoffs, this team can definitely go on a run. There's no question. They're also a team to watch as far as adding talent, come buyout season at the trade deadline. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, well, they don't really have any trade assets. You know, they have some, they don't have a lot at this point, admittedly, but the buyout market is where I think they really are going to be able to make a mark. Obviously, we've already seen them make a few free agent additions like Iman Shumpert, Norvell Pell to try to address the defense and especially the front court with Pell. Um, the question is, you know, with the buyout season, what big center becomes available? Is there a big front court player that they could potentially add that can help them on the defensive end, especially? That's the big thing. I mean, last year, no one was really talking about Marquise Morris or Reggie Jackson or some of these guys that ended up getting bought out and that became difference makers. So we'll see who's bought out, but that's going to be a big thing for them. Ed has offered his services to play center, Alex, for the Nets. Kenyon has too. Kenyon's like, just give me a call. I can give you some good fouls, some hard play, a couple rebounds. You know, it's Han Thomas has done the same thing. Those guys haven't gotten called yet, but they're they're down. <laughs> no, so the, like, the rumor, I was gonna say the, the rumor has been that uh uh you know Andre Drummond from Cleveland might get bought out. You know, that's been like the rumor. I, will it even be fair if that happened? Yeah. Honestly, he would be huge for them. I mean, he obviously is a great rebounder, and he's been playing really well this year. Andre Drummond in a contract year is always very motivated and, and plays much better. Uh, but I, I just can't see why the Cavs would do that. That's my thing. I'm not sure they will buy him out. You know, it, um, I know they have a lot of centers. They have Jared Allen. They have uh, JaVale McGee. They have a number of big men over there. But I don't know. I, I, unless he's leaving significant money on the table and there's a huge financial reason to do it, I'm not sure why that makes much sense for them. I feel like you know he's going to want as much of that money as he can get. There's a reason he opted in. Um, so I, I feel like that's kind of – I'm not sure if that'll happen. Um, I don't think the Cavs will trade him because he doesn't have much trade value. We kind of saw that last year at the deadline when they were able to acquire him from Detroit for very, very little. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how that situation plays out. This, sometimes you see a team will buy a player out to do a favor for the agent um, and, you know, make the player friendly move so that other players and agents kind of see that. So maybe that's a little bit of a motivation, but I don't know. I, I it, It'll be interesting to see if he's one of those guys that's bought out. But yeah, I mean, it would be unfair if he joined them. That would be ridiculous. Um, he would help them immediately. But that's the thing. Like any center that's bought out, you have to imagine that the Nets will be at the top of their list because of the minutes there, the opportunity, the role that'll be provided, and then the chance to compete for a championship alongside that big three. Like, I mean, it, it's like the, and it's also a big market. So like every year, usually you hear, oh, who's going to get bought out? And then the two LA teams are always mentioned as the top contenders for them because it's LA, they're a championship contender, they have a chance to play minutes there. But I mean, you'd have to imagine any big man will have the Nets atop their list when if they get bought out. Bobby, Bobby for the last two weeks has been preaching to uh the Nets bring in uh, Tyson Chandler. Uh, and Tyson Chandler is like 40-something years old. Um, <laughs> and, I, 
Yeah, Bobby, what you got to say about that? With Tom Brady's 43, Ed. I mean, I think Tyson's still got something left. <laughs> I mean, you look at like the free agent market, Dwayne Dedman's out there and, uh, you know, he could make some sense potentially as a rim protector. Um, I, I'm surprised he's still saw, you know, out there, to be honest. One guy that I wish they would have signed, you know, this could have happened a week ago, two weeks ago, Kylo Quinn. He was out there and, you know, Bobby, you're familiar. You know, he was in New York, obviously. Uh, he's from New York. Um he received interest from the Toronto Raptors, the Dallas Mavericks. They were a number of teams showing interest, but for whatever reason, he didn't get signed. Um, you know, he was, I feel like he could have really helped them because he's always been a guy that when given minutes, he can protect the rim, you know, um, his per 36 numbers. I think he averages like three blocks a game. Like he, he does well in limited minutes off the bench. Um, so I, I'm surprised that he didn't get signed by any team and he would have been a good fit in Brooklyn, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what, um, you know, what options are out there again? Cause really aside from Deadman, there's not a whole lot in the free agent market, which is why I think buyout season will be so important for them. Some interesting NBA news too, Alex this week, of course, with the NBA and the players association agreeing to hold an all-star game in March, March 7th in Atlanta. I wanted to get your thoughts. Good idea, bad idea for the league to decide to move forward with an all-star game. I don't love it, to be honest with you. Like we're, you know, on one hand during games, we're separating players for dapping and hugging and then, uh, you know, post game. And then uh, you have an all-star game, which, you know, I don't really understand it. Um, I feel like it's not worth the risk. I know, you know, the players, I'm sure, you know, the players had input in this uh, through the MBPA and everything. So, I mean, clearly the players signed off on it, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel worth it. Like it's the same thing whenever they were talking about doing a summer league over the off season. And it was like, okay, well, yeah, we probably could make it happen, but is it really worth the risk? And ultimately they decided no. And with summer league, I mean, granted it's not as big an event for fans and it's not the same moneymaker that all-star weekend is, which at the end of the day, if we're being honest and addressing the elephant in the room, this is about money. Um, at least with summer league, you know, it, about money. it is always about money. Yeah. At least with summer league, there's a chance for, you know, teams to evaluate players. And a lot of guys have, you know, their, their career and livelihood kind of riding on that, uh, you know, opportunity to be able to showcase their game. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I do get why the NBA is trying to offset some of the losses and uh, putting money, you know, first. Um, I wouldn't have done it, and I'm sure we'll see some players opt out of it too, just because not only not only because of the COVID risk, but also in a season like this again, where there's you know more back to backs, nine you know five games in seven days, and some of these brutal schedule quirks because of the condensed schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if some guys are like, no, I, I need that break. I want to just relax during those, you know, few days versus playing an all-star game. That wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why would they have the game? I, um, you know, I saw yesterday, uh, I think the Aaron Fox was against it. And yeah. uh, I'm just like, you know, I, I, it has to be for money. I mean, that's the only thing I'm like, but you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, oh, all season so far, you want these players to get away from each other, and now you want to bring them in, especially to, of all places, Atlanta. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in Florida, so I can tell you, uh, there's a lot of people that are acting like the pandemic's not even happening down here. Like, I was talking to someone today, and I was like, uh, the other day, I, I got dirty looks for wearing a mask. And I'm like, <laughs> that's how, you know, that's how, first of all, you know you're in Florida. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, it's it's very confusing. It's definitely sending mixed messages. Um, and I know they've tried to spin it and say, oh, well, there's going to be a good cause, and we're going to do some stuff for charity, and that kind of thing. And that is good. If you're going to do it, at least have something good come out of it. But at the end of the day, I think we all know it's about money. 
So, Alex, I know a lot of Knicks fans probably heartbroken that I'm not suggesting that they might win the NBA championship this year, but uh, they've had some good performances so far. I think last night, a nice effort for them. Julius Randle, he scores 27 points, ties a career high by hitting five threes. Since we're talking all-star games, Knicks win. Randle has another big game. Do you think Julius is an NBA all-star this year if we're going to have a game in March? That wouldn't surprise me. He's been playing excellent basketball. Now, you know, the the fan votes came out. The first returns came out today, and I don't think he was getting many fan votes, so I think it'll be up to the coaches, and, and you know, to put him in. And, you know, the, I, I, one thing that's helping him is the fact that they're winning games. I, I think you see with the coaches usually when they're selecting their all-star reserves, they reward the guys that are on teams that are exceeding expectations and, and winning. They usually don't reward the guys that are at the bottom of the standing. So, I mean, props to this Knicks team, man. I've been so impressed. Randall's playing out of his mind. You know, the way that he's scoring the ball, shooting the ball, facilitating, um, he just looks like a different player out there. And, you know, that's great for for this Knicks team, not only, you know, from a win standpoint, but also just as a trade chip, as an asset too. That really helps um, with Randall. And then, I mean, I, I've been a big fan of Emmanuel Quickly. I, I'm one of the people that uh, love watching him play. Uh, I, I think – I want to see him starting and getting more minutes. Uh, he's been he's been exceptional. We had an article actually on the site a few days ago by Mo Hamilton. He wrote about Quickly's emergence and how not only is it great and give Nick hope, you know, Nick's fans hope because of his play, but also it kind of shows that over the offseason we saw this New York front office. They didn't go make the typical Knicks move that we all kind of think of acquiring a Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook or some of the things that were kind of rumored where in the past, you know, Knicks regimes may have traded in their assets and went after a big player like that uh, because it was kind of the sexy name or they felt like, Oh, it could lure, you know, potentially lure a guy in free agency. Oh, sorry. My cat just decided to um, <laughs> uh, here on the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, maybe, uh, maybe the former Knicks regime would have done that, but instead, you know, they're, they're drafting the right guys and developing them. And, you know, I, I think that's huge for this team and hopefully we see, more of that but yeah i've been so impressed with this next team randall quickly some of the role players are really stepping up and, and i mean props to tibbs too man there were a lot of people making jokes about tibbs in the past so if you want to clown him when you know his teams are are struggling and uh you want to make the jokes about the big minutes and stuff like that you have to give him props too when the team's you know way exceeding expectations and he's doing a great job no, I, I mean, I told I told Bobby before the season started. I'm a big Tibbs fan, and I know Tibbs personally, so I know you know how good of a coach he is. Um, one of the questions, like Dallas lost today, which makes me happy. I want Dallas to keep losing because we owned their unprotected first round pick. And yeah. a, a question that Bobby asked me earlier was, "Do you see the Knicks winning the championship in the next five to ten years in our lifetime?" Interesting. That's so tough. You know, I guess what I would say is if we're looking at the next five years, you look at the teams that are already together, like the cores that are already together, and you have to look at the Lakers, you have to look at the Nets, the Clippers. Now, that team could be scary for a few years, but, you know, Paul George obviously uh, extended his deal. But what's the, what's going to happen with Kawhi? Um, you know, what happens in Milwaukee with Giannis? Like you look at the teams and they're kind of window. I would say five years is probably a stretch, especially because they have so many young guys that they have to develop. But you know, who knows what happens 10 years out? I'm definitely not going to say it's impossible in the next 10 years. Anytime, one thing that, uh, and Brian Winhurst said this on my podcast recently, and I, and I want to credit him. I don't want to take his rant here, but the Knicks are always a threat to add a star player in free agency, you know, just because right now they're adding young players and going through the draft and not going like the, hey, let's try to land the savior through free agency route like we've seen in the past. They're always going to be, 
in the mix for star players because of the market that they're in. Um, and really, if they're able to develop this young talent and quickly becomes a re the real deal, and Barrett looks really good, and Randall keeps playing well, they're only going to become more attractive to star players in the future. It's the same thing the Lakers did by developing Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and these guys. You know, it, it not only gives you trade chips that you can deal out for a star, but then you could be one of these organizations that, you know, like the Nets did, like the Clippers did, has a scrappy team that builds a nice culture and all the little buzzwords we always hear about. And then a star comes and joins you because you're in a big market. So I would say if you're in a big market like that, you automatically have a better shot than a lot of these teams around the league that have no chance of landing a star in free agency. Like there are teams out there, the Indianas of the world, their front office admits, look, we're not going to be a player in free agency. So we have to hit on our draft picks and make good trades. You don't have to say that about New York. They're absolutely a destination that could land a free agent in the future. And we've seen how quickly things can turn around. You know, no one thought a few years ago the Nets would be a team with a super team in a big three. Uh, so you, you, we've seen how things can turn around in a big market. The Clippers are the same way. They were the laughing stock a few years ago. You know, granted, Lob City worked well and they've had some other teams that have had success, but Whenever you're in a big market, you're never that far away. So I I'm not going to rule out the next 10 years, but I would say the next five years will be tough. Alex, I'm going to let Ed have that last question because we're up against it in terms of time, but we really wanted to thank you for taking some time with us tonight. Definitely rooting for Tampa Bay and Tom Brady come Sunday. Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Hopefully right. Sunday night goes well and I'm not miserable. <laughs> and hold on. Uh, where do people, basketballnews.com, just, you know, just – I want people to know every day you got something going on. Thanks, man. Yeah, check out basketballnews.com. Uh, check out our podcast network. Again, we got big names over there like Kenya Martin, Jada Kiss, uh, Aton Thomas, James Posey. I got my podcast, the Alex Kennedy Podcast. We're putting out articles every day. Uh, check out the site. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys shouting out and showing us some love. People can reach out to you, too, at alexkennedynba at gmail.com. And, of course, they see your Twitter handle. But it's uh, for those that are listening in, Alex Kennedy NBA. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having All me. Right. Much. Appreciate right. the time. Later.